Thank you so much, uh, Misty, and I uh, appreciate her being in town and being willing to share with us today. We've been trying to engage all the more uh, with our Faith Promise partners, and certainly Misty is one of those. And uh, I had the, the unique past uh, to Ethiopia. Uh, she was also on that trip that uh, Michelle Timmons led, and uh, it was great getting to see her uh, on the field and going and doing her uh, lectures and, and talks and trainings uh, with uh, teams that she was training to help others uh, deal with trauma. So very, very impressive. Thank you, Misty, for sharing with us today. Uh, great crowd today, by the way. I'm so glad to see uh, several people here. I know this is the start of the Boone County 4-H Fair, and a lot of our families have been following on Facebook are knee-deep right now in, uh, in all kinds of competitions and preparations and taking care of their livestock at the fairgrounds, and, and I didn't know that we'd have a crowd of this size today, so I'm encouraged by that. Over the top, amazing feats of the Bible, bold moves. Uh, we've been looking at several of the uh, characters that were featured in our Super Saturdays in June that our uh, kids' ministry put on, and today uh, we're going to look at uh, one that I've, the question, the, the bold in-your-face question is, what's it to you? What's it to you? Uh, looking at Daniel chapter 5. I suppose if you're going to put your shoes in the feet of a Bible character in today's story, it, it's probably going to be that of Belshazzar, of hearing the message, the bold message that Daniel speaks to him, the honesty in which he speaks uh, to Daniel. And he speaks change to him, more than just being a, a hearer of the word, but a doer of it. Do something about it. What does it mean to you? What is it to you? Uh, Belshazzar was actually the grandson, most likely, of Nebuchadnezzar and the son of Nebuchadnezzar's daughter, Nidocris. His father, uh, Nabonidus, was in Arabia at the time that our story takes place, which made Belshazzar kind of the acting king. It's kind of hard to understand a little bit of their family structures and some of their polity that they had in their day, some of their leadership kind of structure. Polygamy was, was very popular, and so it's kind of hard to understand exactly who's married to who and what generation that they, they fit into. But suffice to say, Belshazzar is the man in charge in the moment. And he's not doing a very good job. In the absence of his father and with all kinds of power and with inexperience perhaps, depending on how old he may have been at the time, he's using this power to throw a party while his parents are away, so to speak, while his dad's out of town. And he has a huge drunken party. A thousand people are invited to this. He's got all of his wives and concubines are there, and the alcohol is flowing freely. They're worshiping uh, false gods and images and idols that are made by men, and they're doing this using the sacred ornaments and tools, the goblets, the, 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 the drinking vessels of the Israelites. Nebuchadnezzar, his grandfather, had brought the sacred articles of worship from the temple in Jerusalem, and now they were using those to drink from. Can you imagine can you imagine what that would be like if, if our church was overtaken, let's say, and the next time you see the communion trays that are used to serve you, the emblems that represent the broken body and the shed blood of Christ maybe have nacho chips in them. And people are using other sacred things from around our building that have maybe been here for a long time, and they're drinking wine out of that. And they are putting down our God and worshiping their own, and you can't do anything about it. 
how would that make you feel? Belshazzar, though, has his attention gotten <laughs> in a most unique way. You've heard that expression, oh, I saw the writing on the wall, right? Well, this is the handwriting on the wall. This is where that expression, this is from where it comes, right here. Because Belshazzar, in the midst of drinking from these sacred items, this wine, he's having this drunken banquet, and all of a sudden he sees, not a vision, but he actually sees a hand writing on the wall and writing several words on the wall. And it has a significant impact on him. It says that uh, his color changed. You know, people say, you don't look good. Hey, your color is off. Or, or some of us who are not in the medical field, when someone asks us for a patient update, and they'll say, how's your dad? Well, his color is getting better. <laughs> well, Belshazzar's color had changed. I imagine he's turned ash gray, or he's very pale. And not only that, but all of his joints are kind of loosened in his hips. It says his knees are literally knocking together over seeing this hand writing on the wall. Maybe some of it is because he doesn't know what the writing means. I think just the fact that there's some hand writing on the wall would be enough to shock and to scare me half to death. So he does what you might would imagine. He brings all of his, his advisors together, all of his enchanters and his magicians, his soothsayers, if you will. He gets all of these people together that are supposed to be able to help him determine the supernatural and to tell him what is the meaning of these words on the wall. What's going on here? And none of them could give him a sufficient answer. And he became increasingly troubled. It's at this point that the queen mother comes in. She may have been the wife of Nebuchadnezzar. She may have been uh, his uh, father's wife. They may have shared. What, I don't know. But anyway, she is the queen mother. And she comes in and she begins to tell Daniel or tell uh, Belshazzar all about Daniel and what he had done for Nebuchadnezzar. She said that Daniel was able to interpret dreams she went on and on and on about how wise and how talented Daniel was. This is first person. She had experienced the era in which Daniel got a hold of Nebuchadnezzar and turned him around and got his heart's attention. And when he was humbled, how he repented. And she sees the same opportunity, perhaps, for Belshazzar. And Belshazzar sends for Daniel. Yes, I would like for him to come. He sounds like the type of guy I need to talk to. Belshazzar offers the same prize of royalty to Daniel that he had offered to all of his other wise men. Basically, he's going to elevate this person. He's going to be kind of a part of the, the royalty, if you will. Put a purple robe on him so everybody sees it and make him a big shot. Kind of reminds me a little bit of what happened for Joseph in the Old Testament. How every time they would put him down or lock him up, he would end up being able to show the, the talents that God had given him. And, and he would end up being called upon by God's enemies and put in positions of authority and power because of what they could see him doing. And the same thing is true here for, for Daniel. Daniel is, is sought for his wisdom. In Daniel chapter 5 verse 17, Daniel answers and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your reward to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. 
He lets him know, I'm going to do for you what you've asked me to do for you. You don't have to, you don't have to give me all of these fancy gifts and put rings on my finger and robes on me. I'll, I'll tell you what it means, though. I want you to know that discipleship is more about becoming like Jesus than merely knowing about Jesus. Let me repeat that. It, it's, discipleship is more about becoming like Jesus than it is merely knowing about Jesus. More than just having all the facts and the figures and being able to, to, to play Bible trivia and win the contest, it's not so much how much do you know the right answers about Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Because if you know Jesus and he starts to change your heart, that's when true discipleship takes place. And discipleship means you're disciplining yourself spiritually to become more and more like Jesus. Doing the things that Jesus does, saying the things that Jesus says, thinking like Jesus thinks, trans allowing him to transform your heart to be like his heart. If you want to become more like Jesus, then you have to let him change your heart, and you have to let your heart then change your behavior. It's possible to not be saved and go through the motions and act basically like a Christian to, to have the right answers, but not really be filled with the Holy Spirit and transformed. And so Daniel is going to hopefully, in his attempt, bring Belshazzar to a point of repentance. And our, our primary text for today is verses 22 and 23 of Daniel 5. It says this. Daniel, you, know, you, you want to know what I think? Don't ask me if you don't want the truth. And here it is, he says. And you, his son, Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this. But you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you, and you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath, and Whose are all your ways you've not honored? Verse 4 tells us all about just how bad this worship was of the gold and the silver and the bronze and the wood and the, the stone. The first thing that he talks about there in, uh, in verse 22, it's actually the second thing, but it's the first thing we're going to talk about, and that is humility. Take it to heart. Daniel gave the meaning of the words... And they were not good news for Belshazzar. The first word meant that God had numbered Belshazzar's kingdom and was bringing it to an end. In other words, he was telling him, your days are numbered. It's over. This time of drunkenness, this party that you're having, this disregard for the God of Israel, the one true God... He is God, whether you worship him or not. He is still in control, and your days are numbered. The next word meant that Belshazzar was weighed on a balance and would be found wanting. In other words, your net worth is zilch. You're broke. 
And to a guy like Belshazzar, with all of this wealth and all of this power, this was devastating news. My life is over and my wealth is gone. The third word meant that Belshazzar's kingdom was going to be divided and given to others, namely the Medes and the Persians. Belshazzar was devastated. But he was impressed with Daniel's abilities and honesty, so much so that he went ahead and gave him those gifts anyway, and he called for that robe to be brought to him and his successors just ahead of the fulfillment of the writing on uh, as his successor was coming just ahead of the fulfillment of the writing on the wall. The second thing, and, and, you know, I kind of, when you look at this, this verse, he says, even though you knew all this, you knew all of this, he says. He had given him, and we're going to look at that here in just a moment, this testimony of, of Nebuchadnezzar. And he tells him all about it, and it's very dramatic. Here's what it says. Nebuchadnezzar 5, verses 18 through 21. Here's the history. First of all, humility, we got to take it to heart. And second, history, you got to learn from it. Now, here's the history. He says, O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. Those come from God. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed. And whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up. And whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken from him. He was driven from among the children of mankind, and his mind was made like that of a beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys, and he was fed grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. God kicked Nebuchadnezzar's canister until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind. If you were reading along with me or you're listening carefully there, you see that cycle that I've talked about so many times. It was God who had given Nebuchadnezzar all that authority, all that power, all of that wealth, so much so it says that the people just feared and trembled when they came around him. Those were gifts from God, and, but they went to Nebuchadnezzar's head, and he began to become very sinful. And remember the fiery furnace scenario there where, where he had Daniel you know, thrown into the fiery furnace along with a couple of his friends because he would not bow down every time the horn sounded and worship the graven image that he had created. And eventually, God gets his attention. And Nebuchadnezzar fell farther than the height from, from which he had been elevated to. All of that wealth, all of that prestige, all of that power taken away from him. He was thrown out into the fields and lived like just a beast of the earth, like an animal. And he looked like an animal, and he acted like an animal, and he crawled around on his hands and his feet, and his food was the grass of the field, just like an old ox. Until, until he knew that God 
was the Most High God, who rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over him who he will. That's a beautiful story of history, one of which Belshazzar was well familiar with and should have taken to heart. He should have remembered it. Humility. Take it to heart. And a lot of times it comes from history, if we learn from it. Verse 22 says, though you knew all of this, Belshazzar knew the history, but he didn't learn from it. And the reason Belshazzar had not humbled his heart in part was because he had not learned from Nebuchadnezzar's history. And maybe that's why parenting sometimes is is such a a, a passion for us. Or, Or if you're a school teacher or if you're a coach, when you want to bring someone else up and shape them and train them and mold them, you have all this experience that they don't have yet. And you know the dangers that are out there because you've experienced them. You've lived them. You know the consequences to bad choices because if you're honest, you've made them. I mean, as parents, we were once teens. As a coach, you were once a player on the field. As a teacher, you were once a student in the classroom. And you know the mistakes and the poor choices that can be made and the consequences that come. And oh, how we long to spare our students, our athletes, our our children from those consequences if they would learn from our mistakes. And sometimes that's the beauty of a testimony. As long as we're not bragging, if we're able to say, boy, if I had to do do all over again, man, if I could go through college again, I'd do those book reviews early. I wouldn't wait till the night before to try to read 247 pages and write a three to five page book review on it. If I knew now what I, if I knew then what I know now, I'd do things a little differently. History. We learn from it, not just our own history, but the history of our parents and our grandparents. Maybe that's why I am so excited about Dover being a, what I think of as a, a multi-generational church. We are so blessed to be in a church in which our older people can influence kids and students and where kids and students can teach or kids and students can serve older members of the church. I mean, some churches are really blessed where they have nothing but older folks with lots of wisdom or they're blessed where they have lots of young families, but they don't have any senior citizens, any grandparent aged people to speak into their lives. But here at Dover, we are so blessed to have such a a wonderful blend of that. And I mean, we really, really are. I don't want to go too far off on this, but the next thing that I feel like is that has to take place if God's going to change our heart and if our heart's going to change our actions is that holiness. We have to worship God and God alone. Daniel was probably in his 80s at the time that he interprets this meaning of the writing on the wall for Belshazzar. This was a big moment for Daniel. I mean, you know, he's been summoned. He's been called by Belshazzar. He's not knocking on his door and intruding. He's been summoned and requested. And here he is, 80 years old, and he's still got some wisdom in which to share. This young whippersnapper, full of all kinds of power and authority, is seeking his advice. And so here he comes, and and he gives it. Reminds me of Titus 2, 1 through 10. It says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine 
Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the, younger, the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may, be, may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a, a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may not be, or may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about you. Bond servants are to be submissive to their, their own masters and everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior." Every generation has something to offer uh, to the others. In this case, Daniel was teaching Belshazzar the importance of worshiping the one true God and him alone. This had to have been such a special moment for Daniel. Strive to be the kind of person that younger people come to when looking for answers because they know that you have the spirit of the holy God in your heart. That's what the queen mother said to Belshazzar about Daniel. The spirit of the holy God is in his heart and he sent for him to come. You have that special person that you go to I mean, when life throws you at a crossroads and you're not sure what to do, is there that, that special person that you, you like to sit down with and, 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 and share the scenario with and hear their words of wisdom? I hope and I believe so often it's the case that you'll find that those are the people that are in God's word, that know the Lord in a very personal way, and that are filled with the spirit of the holy God. All of us need to have people like that. And with the boldness of Daniel, I pray that all of us would have someone who's looking up to us that we can pour into. One time I was at a staff retreat many years ago, and we watched a video of Andy Stanley's, and he was talking about why having an intern is such an intimidating thing for most people. And I thought, you know I'm that way. And as I began to listen to it, I, I, I began to discover that most people are that way. And the reason is we have a misconception that if you've got an intern, you've got a protege, you've got someone who's looking up to, someone that you're trying to shape and mold, that you think you've got to fill them up. And he says, we're never told to fill someone else up. We're told to pour ourselves out. And God, if he's put someone in your life to pour into, pour into them and direct them to the holy God. One final thing is that, is the word honor. Put it in God's hands. Honor God. The verses that we looked at wrap up with saying, you've not honored the very person who has control of your whole life even your breath is in his hands. <laughs> God Almighty, and he's speaking from an earthly standpoint, 
not to mention the eternal. But God is all supreme over your life. Shouldn't we honor him the most? But it's human nature a lot of times that we don't worship the creator. Instead, we want to worship the creation of the creator. (laughs) When God created the earth, he created it ex nihilo, which means out of nothing, no pre-existing elements. You know, I heard a Christian one time say they they believed in the Big Bang Theory. (laughs) God said, God created the earth and bang, it was there. (laughs) Boom, it happened in an instant. God has the ability to do that. But as human beings, we want to take the creation and become creators ourselves. We call it art, right? We want to express ourselves. We want to be, as we try to be like God, creative, as he is creative. And it's a beautiful thing. But sometimes art is so beautiful, we want to worship what we've made instead of worshiping the one who made the things that we can appreciate. When you look at the beautiful mountains or the stars in the sky, when you look at the ocean, you look at the Grand Canyon, I could go on and on and on about the beautiful things in creation. Look at them with awe and wonder. And remember who made them. And direct your worship and your praise to the God who made the things that we admire. Um, When you are able to make something from wood or stone or precious metal, stand back and admire it. But honor the God who made the elements in which we are able to create and discover from. Belshazzar knew better, but he put his trust in idols instead of God. His Babylonian kingdom fell that very night to Persia as on a balance it was weighed and it was divided and he lost it all. Daniel 5 verses 29 through 30 says, Then Belshazzar gave the command and Daniel was clothed with purple, a chain of gold was put around his neck and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night Belshazzar the Chaldean king was killed and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Daniel, the 80-plus-year-old prophet there, told him what he needed to know. He needed to humble himself and take it to heart. He needed to look at the history and learn from it. He needed to strive for a life of holiness and worship the one true God. And he needed... Uh, to honor him and put his life where it really matters. Have you put your life in the hands of the one who created the universe, of the one who is in ultimate control of the very breath that you breathe? Have you put your soul, your salvation, in the hands of the God who has the ability to remove not some, but all of your sins and justify you as if you had never sinned. This morning, let's major on the majors. Let's honor what matters most. In this time of singing that we're about to have, it's more than a closing song. It's a time of decision for all of us to think of ways in which we can strive to grow closer to the Lord, to have him create within us a clean heart that we might honor him pray with me. Father God, I thank you for your amazing love. We thank you for this morning um, being able to be here and to worship you. I pray, God, that this time, which does belong to you, 
uh, that God, every one of us, uh, would open up our hearts and examine them, that your Holy Spirit would do what he does, and that each one of us would become better disciples, not just because we know about you, but because we know you. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.